So my name's Sterling Crew. Hello, everybody. And uh, I am a food scientist and a technologist. So it's great to be here and uh, speaking to you today. So how did you get into this sort of line of work, you know, a food scientist in the first place? Completely by accident, Simon. I didn't even know what food science and food technology was. I didn't know there was a career in food science and technology. Um, I actually started off as an environmental health officer. Uh, so I started as a regulator, then moved into retailing with Marks and Spencers. And then my career kind of developed over the years from retailing into food manufacturing, back into retailing and then working for a big brand. And now at my stage in the career, I've got what you call a portfolio of roles. I say, yeah, because you do a kitchen conversation now, don't you? Uh, I've seen that a few times through LinkedIn. It's been really good. Yeah, that's really important to us. So when you get to a certain age, you want to put something back into the profession and back into the industry. And one of the things that we're really passionate about is communicating science, not just to scientists and technologists, but to all food professionals and the general public. And that's our way of getting out there to people and doing podcasts and blogs, etc. So when you started your, your career, you never really thought about getting into food in the first place then? Absolutely. So somebody that's moved into food, I think, has made a fantastic decision. My first degree was in zoology, just up the road from you in, in Cardiff. And right. when you come out, there's no job. I mean, but basic, it was a fantastic course. And as I say, I trained as an environmental health practitioner. And then as much in life, people think you develop careers, but you don't. Opportunities come up, people make you offers. And, uh, you know, people think a career is some type of plan, straight graph line that you build early when you're young and you don't. I mean, yeah. your career goes up and down and opportunities arise. I mean, the fantastic thing about our industry is there's so many different things you can do. So yeah. many different parts of this massive sector that you know, at one stage you think I'll do a career change. I'll, I'll become an academic. I might like work in retail. I might go into research. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a wide variety of work that's available. Um, to young people. Yeah, I mean, I found that, th you know, throughout my career as well, because I never thought I was going to get into food in the first place. And it was, I was at uh, college, uh, Gateshead College at the time, and I'd sat down with a careers advisor. And I hadn't a clue what to do. You know, I had this, this, this slate in front of us, and I had all these different, like, ideas and plans of, you know, just ultimately the end goal was to become super rich or something. But how I was going to get there, I, I, I didn't have a clue. And uh, uh, the the careers advisor said to me, why don't you why don't you look at food? You know, you, you're good at science. You like that sort of like the biology, the chemistry side of things. Have you thought about getting into food? Because ultimately everybody has to eat. And that's what kind of steered me to it in the first place. So I had never really had any ideas. We're the biggest manufacturing sector in the country. I mean, it's over 400,000 people work in our sector. Globally, uh, if you look at the food um Producers and the people in the food sector, 1.4 billion people work in food, which is only natural, as you say, because it sustains us. Um, yeah. So it's so many opportunities, both you know, just not just in this country, but globally as well. God, yeah. And I, I think when you have issues like at the moment with, with COVID-19, people start appreciating the need uh, for food and, you know, the, the fact that you could have severe shortages uh, very, very quickly if, if if these sort of problems escalate and such like. Yeah, and it does show the very nature that our food network, when I started out in the village I'm in now, we had a local butcher, a local um, 
slaughterhouse. We had our farms around us, but now a lot of the food we buy comes from everywhere. So there's a vast global food supply chain out there uh, and that we need to be involved in to make sure we're driving innovation and safety and quality. So um, there are loads of opportunities within that uh, food uh, supply chain, as they say, from right from the farms right through to the fork on the plate when you're retailing. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're looking back through your career and stuff, what would you see are like some of the biggest challenges that, that you faced uh, through the industry? I think absolutely the biggest challenge for me personally mm. uh, is getting your first job. So I think that's the difficult part for most of your current students and students that are just leaving. Once you can get your first job and get some experience, you'll find that the you know, whole world opens up for you. But that first job is the very difficult one. I always remember uh, how you struggled for that. And so um, you've got to develop strategies that you put yourself in a really good position to get that first job. And the challenge is, to me, once you're in the industry, I think as a scientist, I'm used to the scientific method and dealing with data. Um, but what you realise is that the communication skills you have are equally of perhaps even more important is how you can relate to people, how you can talk to people, especially people who aren't scientists. How do you get your message across in kind of plain, simple English? And how do you become an influencer for good? So how do you push that food safety agenda or that innovation agenda within a business where it's not perhaps everybody's first thought was they're going to work in the morning? So you have to be a great champion of those things. Yeah, I think one of the big things that I've seen in the last couple of years has been this drive for food safety culture. And, and looking at the culture within businesses and such, such like, and how do you, as you say, you're influencing behaviour and getting them to think about when they're washing their hands and, and, and handling waste and making sure, you know, cross-contamination is, is, is a really big thing as well. That's a good point. Um, so we should remind ourselves, I've been doing this for 40 years. And in fact, although we didn't use the word food safety culture or recognise it, every mm. business at that time had a culture, but it wasn't recognised or managed. Uh, and I think what there's been a realisation, you know, perhaps in the last five years, there's been a seismic change in the landscape of food safety where people are starting to appreciate the impact of human decision making and the importance of a culture of an organisation and how it impacts on the organisation's ability to deliver safe food. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what I've really enjoyed about the whole time that I've worked in the food industry is just the variety and the fact that no two days are ever the same. And, and every day you're coming in, you, you, you go into work, you've got a plan in front of you. And then once you start work, that plan goes out the window and all these other activities take place instead. And if you can get the plan done, fantastic. But but quite often there's, there's such a variety of things that happen that you don't actually envisage happening in the first place. And then you look down and then, what, it's 5 p.m. and your day is over again. And, uh, and it's also the network of people within food as well. You go to all of these conferences and events and you keep bumping into the same sort of people and stuff and they may have changed the career, they may have changed the path, but it, it, it's good to see that, you know, we've, we've got this, this active network all the time and people help and support you throughout this as well. And again, mate, if we go back to, you know, those students about thinking about uh, what do I do next? Well, once you, you're mature, <laughs> You've got a fantastic network and you know lots of people and people can give you advice. And what I would urge people to do is the one thing you lack as a student, you know, you don't lack enthusiasm, you don't lack ability. Um, age is no reflection on someone's ability, I can quite assure you of that. I've seen some very bright young people, and I've seen some very stupid old people. 
but what they do lack is that network and I would really urge um, your students to start developing that even at this early stage. Simon, only yesterday one of your MSc students contacted me and she was saying, I'm looking for a placement. Can you help me get a placement? Oh, here's my CV. What do you think about this CV? And just by coincidence, I think I'm in a position to help her. But she just used the fact that she's seen me at one of your lectures and that was her network then. I know that person. I'm going to go to them, to them and ask them for help. So um, just because you think you don't have a network and your university provides you with a base, and I would really urge people to get out there and to mix with people. And the one tip I give all your students is become a member of the Institute of Food Science and Technology, because instantly you're into a network with other students. There are lots of special interest groups. There are lots of lectures you can go to and seminars, even the ones that are now online. And you're mixing with people, getting ideas. And we're a pretty he helpful profession. Someone somewhere will be able to help you on your journey. Yeah, what, what a great piece of advice. Because, I mean, I've been a member of the IFST for about, well, coming up to nine years now, and it's really helped me with my career and stuff. And because uh, I, I joined a range of different like uh, forums and groups as well. And when I was working in my manufacturing and if I come across a problem and I really didn't know what the answer was, you just post a question into the forum. And you may not know the answer, but somebody in the forum somewhere has also come across the same or a similar incident. And they can offer you some advice or point you in the right direction as well. And that helps build up your knowledge as well. So and then you can help people at the same time. I, I think as you're a young person, if I can remember going back to when I was a young person, um, you sometimes lack a bit of confidence and you think the whole thing's daunting. And you assume that those organisations or roles are for old people, the professors or, you know, have got vast international experience. But they're not. You know, a lot of the people there are very young and uh, they're the people that make the great contributions because they have the energy, they have the enthusiasm, you know, and they're also um, looking for knowledge and that drives an organisation forward. So um, I can't emphasise enough as to draw, you know, join those type of organisations, whether it's the IFST, there's the Royal Society of Public Health, there's the Society of Food Hygiene and Technology, there's the Chartered Institute of Environmental Health, there's a whole group of professionals that you can go to because that's where your interest lies. Mm. Um, and there's the Nutrition Society as well for those of us who have got a passion about that. So um, enough professional support networks around you, but you have to make the effort to go and join and mix. Uh, yes, and I think that's the, that, that's the thing is, Anybody can come in and do a degree and on paper, you've got this, this degree, but it's not just the degree now that businesses are looking for. It's all of the extra things that people are putting into their CV as well. I think that's that's just as important sometimes as well. Yeah, I've, I've been in that position behind the desk, interviewing people and selecting people. And it's a really difficult task. Uh, one of the good things before the COVID crisis was there's a huge, huge shortage of food scientists and technologists. And so really, um, there are lots of opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. COVID has presented some more challenges, but there are still opportunities out there. So you've got to make yourself stand out. And I think that's what people have to consider is, number one, how do I get in front of that person so to get the interview? Because um, everyone thinks, oh, it's all about the interview, but you're getting ahead of yourself. So you've got to, you've got to put something in front of somebody that compels them to, to, to see you. And sometimes that's not waiting for a job advert because you could have 30 or 40 people applying. Sometimes it's approaching companies directly. Have you got any openings at the moment? 
Uh, and you'd be surprised how many jobs you can get that way, whereas somebody's just got an opportunity or you can convince them through an internship that you might add value. So try to get in, in, in for first before it's actually advertised. And then when the, a job or a position is advertised, just make sure that your CV stands out. So I mentioned things like, well, if you're a member of the IFST and I've got 50 um, uh, CVs in front of me, I'm afraid it's very easy to separate 25 out by saying, well, these people are members and these aren't. So that's a very easy way of, of, of splitting people up. And I know it sounds awful, but one of the toughest jobs you can somehow have is how do you get you know, 20 or 30 down to three that you want to speak to? And so that, you know, the impact you make, the way that you present your information, uh, the, the things you say are so, so important because, you know, your interviewers are just human. What they want to be is engaged. They they want to sit there and say, you know, oh, this person's climbed uh, Ben Evis. Somebody uh, uh, I interviewed recently um, when we did the gem chat was saying, oh, I've recently just come back from Ben Nevis and I climbed it on my own, but didn't put it on the CV. And I thought that was a really remarkable achievement. And when I'm an employee, so I think, well, it shows resilience, it shows planning, it shows initiative, it shows energy. Um, but that one thing <laughs> they didn't put on their CV. So try to think a bit widely about uh, how you're trying to impress somebody or encourage somebody to think, I'd like to speak to this person. Yeah, you're right. So I think it's not just about academic achievements that they've done. I think it's 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 the broad picture because you want to see what that person is. Who 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 are they? Uh, you know, what can they bring to my company, and and what they've got as a general picture as well. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you can't do the job without going to such an institution as yourself. So that gives you the the foundation. You won't get in through the door unless you've got something like a BSc or an MSc for for lots of jobs. Although there are great apprenticeship schemes out there. Uh, so that you know that is important, but it will only take you so far. It might get you over the first hurdle, mm -hmm. but after that, it's about um, you know your other skills you develop. I mean, are you a team player? Are you um, are you, you you know? I keep mentioning this word energy. People are looking for people who will do something rather than talk about something. You know, when you start work, you're in that my mode of well, I'm doing a project on. No, you're not doing a project. This is a job. Um, and so unless you go into the academic sphere, which is, you know, is a great career like for yourself, and then obviously the type of degree you have might become more important. Um, but generally for the food industry, it's a very, very practical industry. Yeah, I think it, one of the big things that I've had to really develop skills is about problem solving as well. Mm. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of the science comes in that you just don't don't think about, uh, you, where you've got like practical problems where you, you, you produced a source and it's split. Well, why is this source split and the last one hasn't split? What's changed? What's happened differently? And I think it's something it's, it's using that background knowledge and research that you've done to say, well, what's in it? What have we done differently this time that we didn't do last time? And that's been really interesting as well for, for me as well, I found. Because a lot of your graduates probably won't end up in food. When you actually look at the number of people who are graduating food science and actually end up doing a food science or technology job, you wonder where, where half of them go on because it's the skills that you develop at university, that use of the scientific method. Why did that happen? Well, that was interesting. I wonder if I can solve it. Those skills will help you in any type of job you, that you end up in. I mean, if you end up doing accountancy, still that scientific method is something that that profession appreciates because it's a disciplined way of thinking. Yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, some of the things that I've done and used in my career since since uh, graduate and stuff i never thought when i was studying them 
what, what's the point of this? Why am I why am I doing this? But it's not until you actually are doing a job and then an, an issue comes up or or you've got a chef saying, well, how do I take this small product into a massive scale batch? What do I do to scale it up? And it's these little things that you don't think of uh, and the, the problems that come up. Because I think one of the things people forget is that being technical, you like a problem solver. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just solving problems, but you're implementing a problem solving and implementer. So the biggest problem I think for your students, especially those leaving at the moment, mm. is the extraordinary circumstances that we find ourselves in. Yes. And you know, if I was a student now, I'd be pretty worried. It's almost like going back to 2008 when the whole economy collapsed and our economy has collapsed. And I, hopefully I think the conditions are in place for it to come back pretty quickly. Yeah. But for the short term, it is going to be challenging. And the one piece of advice I give to your students is and this has been completely disruptive for the food supply network globally, but it is a bit of a famine and a feast. So you see the famine, those people that wanted to go into hospitality or food service, obviously those people are struggling. Mm. I mean, a lot of <clears throat> big reputable companies have gone to the wall. You know, those are the restaurants you see out there, the takeaways, the cafes, the hotels, have gone through a hard time. And I think we'll continue to go through a hard time for a while. Um, but other areas of our industry, the feasts are, you know, as you said, people are still um, wanting to have to eat. And so in food manufacturing, and as long as you can you know, get the people to do the job and as long as you've got the supply chain in place, some people have never, ever been busier. Yeah. Uh, I've got uh, my middle son works in, in the baking industry and, you know, quite the opposite. That type of industry, people want comfort food. They like healthy food. So their actually production rates been busier than ever. And also, you know, people who are working in confectionery have seen um, people going to comfort food and almost we've had a second Christmas with the uh, panic buying that's been going on. So it's extraordinary that you know, some people have been furloughed or made unemployed in the worst circumstances. But other areas of the businesses have never been busier. It's, as I say, it's like a second Christmas, a huge peak in demand. And as a student, I think I'd be trying to do a bit of intelligence out there on, well, where, where, where is there a demand? And where would it be a bit more challenging? So I would focus on the big opportunities maybe at this stage and go be drawn to those rather than trying to fight it out into an area that is really struggling. Yeah, you're right. I think one of the, the concerns that our students had was that a lot of them are looking for internships at the moment and they were worried because of things like COVID that uh, all of these companies would be shutting down and there wouldn't be interview people of anything. But even in these difficult times, six of our students have still managed to get internships. Uh, uh, this summer for the next 12 months. So it shows that, you know, these companies are still needing people and they're still developing because the food industry is never going to stop. Now, the, the, see, everyone keeps thinking it's about social distancing, which is very important, and everybody's in isolation, but they're not. The food industry are food heroes. They're just as much heroes as I think as those great people working in the NHS. They're out there now. They've always, you know, I've got uh, three boys, two of them, work in the food industry and food manufacturing. They've been working flat out from when this kicked off. Uh, I have a daughter-in-law that works in the food industry and they're very, very busy. So this thought that everybody in food is, is no, in a, in a very bad way and being furloughed, well, there's food on our supermarket shelves, it's coming from somewhere. Mm -hmm. So you have to have some optimism if you're a food science or technology student thinking, well, somebody's making this food, how can I support them? Some of them are very, very, very busy. 
yeah and they might think well i'm very busy now but maybe when things return to something that looks like a normal pattern i might not be so busy so having an intern actually is really attractive i can get this person in for maybe six months um, they can help me during a busy period and then look maybe we won't need them after that or maybe we will um, and uh, therefore it appeals to both the student who's looking for you know not a, maybe a job but just data placement and it appeals to the employer um, what students do bring is I say is enthusiasm and energy and what I like about students when I've had interns is they just ask you hundreds and hundreds of questions questions that you wouldn't normally ask yourself because I've always done it that way whereas a student the placements always say oh but why why do you do it that way Sterling and then sometimes that's the first person to ask me the question um so they have a great value for a business I think I think you're right yeah uh, because I, I know in previous roles that I've had we've taken on interns as well and the, it's the questions that, that they're asking you a lot of these questions and they're seeking advice and they want support and they just want to know the reasons why you're doing what you're doing and you, you're right and there's some things you don't think about while you're doing it you just keep them this way for so long and it helps you to self-reflect on the reasons why you're doing things as well so what i would urge your students is um one of the most underestimated characteristics that you have in a career is uh persistence mm -hmm. sometimes if you want something you've got to be persistent and you have to acknowledge that something's difficult you're going to have to accept rejection it's no different than being an actor you know auditioning for a role um, you know you're going to get lots and lots of rejections uh, and you're just going to have to accept well that's the type of nature of the beast but if it's the persistent people that will end up getting what they want if you give up too early uh, if your energy goes from here then you're in a bad place and um, so that's what I'd say is persistence and I'll give you the example of your student that contacted me yesterday I've had three emails from her uh, persistently can you help me with this can you give me advice on this I'm looking for this area do you know anybody that's working in this area I've got a CV here do you mind just having a quick look at the CV that's what I call persistence and I think that person will succeed rather than some that maybe is sitting at home and thinking well what do I do uh, I'm, I'm, I don't feel confident enough to, to contact someone so please please people the food industry as Simon says is a really friendly industry people are always willing to help just get out there and ask people. And I'm sure with that persistence and your proactive, proactive behaviour of getting out there and making those contacts, building that network um, will stand you in good stead. It's a really exciting industry to join. And yes. even though it's challenging times, guys, there are fantastic opportunities still out there. Fantastic. So Sterling, just before we, we, we close this, is there any sort of final advice that you would give for somebody who's wanting to get into the food industry? He was wanting to do a degree in food science or when they get into university just things to help them along their ladder yeah i would say look at universities and experience isn't it? it's not just about the learning i think most of us go to university thinking this is going to be just a terrific experience um but try to buy in the back of your mind um, don't don't make my mistakes i just went to university in cardiff uh, ucc and i spent three years playing rugby uh, and um, I really didn't pay much attention to my studies. And when I left university, to be honest, I had no clue what to do. What do you do with a degree in zoology? In fact, Simon, my first job is I worked in London Zoo as a zookeeper. Thank uh, you. 
Yeah. Um, so I would, my advice would be, look, enjoy your course. Um, it's a fantastic course. It's really interesting. But almost from the day you start, try to think about where is this going to lead in the back of your mind. Start to build up those contacts straight away. Don't wait until you leave. Um, and as I say, where you're lucky is this is a very vocational degree rather than just um, it's enjoyable, but also there's a job there. Um, try start thinking about that job at a very early stage so you set yourself up well for when you leave. Brilliant. Well, still, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you very much for speaking to me today. It's It's been really, really good. And I think the students and people who are listening to this will get a great idea of what they should be doing uh, to really, you know, kickstart off their career. It's been a privilege and a pleasure, Simon. And to all your students, I wish you all the best for the future. Uh, I'm sure you've got some bright careers ahead of you. I'm sure they have. Thank you very much. Thank you.